Good evening. Uh, it's good to be here. Am I on? I can't tell. I never worked one of these. All right. Looks like I'm on. Uh, exciting and uh, good for me to be here tonight. Uh, it's real exciting for me to come here and to speak to you. I uh, got here a little early, and when I got here, there weren't that many people. And my nerves weren't going that much yet. I was like, this is cool. There's 30 people. You know, maybe that'll be all there is. So... Uh, if you showed up in the last 10 minutes, you may need to leave because my nerves are going crazy. Um, no, I, I think I'll make it through. Uh, I appreciate the congregation for giving me the opportunity to speak tonight. Um, something that I, that I enjoy doing. I wish I'd had a little bit more time to prepare. But uh, Phil told me about two weeks ago, he said, I'm going to need you to, to speak for us. And uh, I've heard that the intern traditionally speaks uh, you know, right before he leaves. So I don't know if this is some kind of message telling me I'm out of here or what, but uh, it may be. It may be a earlier, uh, maybe wanting me out of here soon. I don't know. But uh, I have appreci- I've appreciated all, all uh, your thoughts for me tonight. A lot of people have told me, said, I don't care what you say. They said, we already like you. So I appreciate that. Um, I have this lapel mic, and I may try to dance around a little bit and stay with my notes, but usually... Uh, I stay behind the pulpit, and I can sort of hide behind it. And if I'm out here, you may see my nerves going, but that's all right. Um, if you haven't heard, uh, we had an awesome week at camp. We just got off a week at camp. And if you've never been to summer camp, uh, it'd be something that would be well worth your time. It's awesome to see young people come in, uh, you know, no matter what age. We have 10-year-olds, we have 18-year-olds come in, and through the week uh, gradually grow and uh, mature in their faith. Um, we need to keep in mind our group that's in Dayton, Tennessee. Phil is gone. Andrew is gone. David is gone. Mitch spoke this morning and did an awesome job. Where's Mitch at? Just kidding. Mitch's gone too. So uh, it looks like I'm the fifth string quarterback. I don't know what that means, but uh, <laughs> we'll be fine tonight. I have three things that I want to get across to you tonight, and uh, three goals for, for tonight. And the first part is to talk a little bit about camp. Like I said, we had an awesome week. The second part is that uh, I'm going to give us a couple of short points. They're going to be very brief. Uh, somebody told me i got to be brief, so that's what I'm going to try to do. Uh, and the last part is to share some personal stories and struggles that I've been thinking a lot about here lately. But uh, this week at camp was awesome. We had awesome weather. We were at Western Kentucky Youth Camp. I think the young people had a a good time. We had about 90-something, and uh, everybody seemed to enjoy themselves. It wasn't too hot. Um, We went up Sunday evening, and uh, I I can't tell you how much uh, you learn about a congregation. I could have never been here before and went up to camp and hung out with your kids, went to different Bible classes, and you can learn a lot about what kind of Bible teaching and the the knowledge that they have at such a young age. Uh, You can really learn a lot about a congregation just by seeing you know, the kids, and your kids are awesome, and I know that you're proud of them, and uh, you can tell that they have a lot of teaching uh, instilled in them. Another thing, I'm living with Phil this summer, and I, I know that's sort of scary. Uh, one, of the, one of the first things that Phil said to me was that uh, he came in, and I know Phil pretty well. Uh, Phil was my intern at Savannah, but Phil came up to me, and he said, Dustin, he said, I appreciate you being here. He said, uh, oh, one more thing, uh, when you go inside... Don't eat or drink anything in the fridge because it's all ruined. And, uh, 
you know, if you, if you looked at Phil, if you look at his office, if you look at his house, you'd say, there's no way this guy has a good ministry. But uh, he does. He has, a, he has a special way with young people. And if you went to camp this week, you could tell. And uh, you have a jewel in, in Phil and with David and with Andrew as well. But uh, Phil, Phil tells us, uh, we talked about being selfless this week, and he's a great example of being selfless in his life. Uh, a couple more things from camp. I didn't tell Miss Tracy I was going to say this, but me and Tracy were sitting down. Miss Tracy, sorry. Me and Miss Tracy were sitting down on one of the last nights of camp, right before we did our skits. And uh, there were a couple, probably third, fourth, and fifth grade girls up on the front two rows. And uh, these girls were singing their hearts out. Nobody told them to get up there and sing. Nobody said, we're going to sing. And it wasn't goofy songs. Uh, it was devotional songs. And this is something that's going to stick with me. These girls are up there singing their hearts out. Uh, nobody told them to do it, like I said. But uh, it tells you uh, how awesome your church is in one way, but it's what Bible camp is all about. And I looked at Miss Tracy and I said, this is why we go to camp. When you have little girls that are up there that are nine years old and uh, they are singing, you know, seek ye first, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God. I want to put uh, God first in my life. Matthew six thirty three. A verse that makes me think about that is Proverbs 22, if you want to turn over to it. Proverbs 22 and verse 6. This is paraphrasing, but it says to, to train a child and bring him up uh, in the way that he should go. And when he gets older, he won't depart from it. And that made me think about it. When you have little girls up there that are 9 and 10 that are singing these beautiful songs, and it's so precious to hear them sing them. Uh, they're up there singing their hearts out, and uh, it's something that you think they can mature with and something they can build on as they grow. And I know that you're excited about seeing them do that. You think about training your child in the way they should go. The thing that, that I thought of first was uh, I, grew, I played a lot of sports growing up, and uh, baseball, basketball, football. Think about training and different training that you do. Uh, if you want your kid to be good at something, I know there's a lot of parents out there that, that you know, push their kids to play sports, but if you want them to be good at something, you don't wait till they get 17 years old and hand them a basketball and say, go do it, you know. You, uh, you get them when they're five years old and when they're starting out, and uh, you instill those things in them early. And uh, you work with them, and they mature and they grow. And I think it's the same way in our Christian faith. As we start at a young age, instill the things that they need to know, you know, at an older age, and, and you grow in your faith. And it's awesome to see that working, and it works in the same as our Christian life as it does in anything else. Another thing from camp that stood out, I told Mr. Eric that I was going to be saying this, but uh, it's awesome to see all the parents and advisors that are involved in camp. Uh, you can't have a successful youth ministry unless you have parents who are on the same page as your youth minister and are backing you 100%. And uh, I'd like to ask all the counselors and all the parents that went on the trip or went to summer camp to please stand. Y'all can stand up. They're not all here, but I just want to thank you. Uh, y'all did an awesome job. Y'all can be seated. Uh, y'all did an awesome job. Um, it's awesome to see parents that'll to do anything. And sometimes, you know, like I said, we play sports and we back our kids, but it's awesome to see when you have parents that are involved in their, you know, their kids' spiritual walk. And uh, sometimes people look at youth ministry as babysitting, and that's a, 
couldn't be any further from the truth. Youth ministry starts in your home, and, and they learn these things, and it's not like you go on some trip and you say, Phil, take them. You, y'all play around, and we'll come back. You know, it's something when they get back to the house that you're still teaching them. And I thought that was awesome. And you have people, there's so many, I don't want to, I hate giving circumstances or situations because I feel like I'm missing people out, but Mr. Doug Perry got sick early on in the week. I'm trying to find him. He got sick early on in the week and uh, shows how awesome of a guy he is. He, uh, he made it a point to come back, and I guess it was two and a half to three hours, he made it a point to drive back to, to help us clean up the camp. And it just shows how involved he is with the, with the youth group. And you have to have guys like Mr. Doug and Mr. Rick and Mr. Eric, and I hate saying names, but you have to have guys like that to keep your youth ministry going. But one of the stories, and something I'll, I'll never forget from the camp, is we had a hypnotist. Dale Jenkins came up, and he did some hypnotizing for us. I've already got a couple laughs, because y'all know this is going to be funny. Uh, probably had 10 or 12 that were up on the stage. And it's not like some guy that's never done this before. Dale was really, really good. And uh, he said, you know, you got to be pretty smart to be hypnotized. So as soon as he started that, I just quit listening. I said, I ain't got a chance. But uh, some of the other people listened, and uh, they were hypnotized really, really good. I thought it would be, I was sort of skeptical about it. I said, that, you know, there's, he may be all right, but he was really good. And everybody was there knows but one of the situations that he put up there was, of course, they were all under hypnosis and they were knocked out. He told them that uh, when they wake up, people on the front row will all be on fire. And, of course, he counted down one. You know, he said, on three, uh, you're going to wake up and the front row is going to be on fire. Well, he woke up and Mr. Mr. Eric had his shirt off in probably less than a second. And he was smothering these kids. And, uh, man, that's funny. Where's Mr. Eric at? I told him I'd be picking on him tonight. Hey, I appreciate you. I appreciate his heart. You could really see, you, you have to see it. We're watching the videos tomorrow night, but Mr. Eric was up there, and probably less than a second, he had his shirt off, and he was smothering all these kids. And, uh, sort of scared me a little bit, but it shows really where Mr. Eric's heart was at. Um, I know he was under hypnosis, but it shows the selflessness that he exhibits in his life. And uh, he put, threw it all out there, I guess. And you'll have to see it uh, to believe it. But I told him I would pick on him and tell that story. And uh, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate all the parents that work with this. Um, the next thing that I'm going to talk about tonight is uh, I've got three points that I like to talk about. And they're very brief. Someone told me that if... We get out of here in less than 15 minutes, so it'll take me to Cracker Barrel. So we're going to try to make that happen. Um, tonight, so many times as people, we like to be intelligent and we like to know things. And uh, especially as college students, we've been in school for a long time. And sometimes it's easy to get the big head and say, I know things, which I'm probably going to be in school a lot longer than I should be from not doing what I should academically. But uh, sometimes as college people, we think we know a lot. And I'm going to stand before you tonight and tell you that I know Three things that, uh, that God doesn't know. And uh, before somebody comes up here and tackles me and gets me off the stage, hear me out. I understand that uh, God is omnipotent and He's all-powerful. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. But uh, just, just hear me out on what three things that I know that God doesn't know. The first thing that God doesn't know is that God doesn't know anyone that He doesn't love. And the uh, first verse, there's so many verses in the Bible. If you want to talk about God's love, you look it up in Strong's Concordance and you're going to have three pages. 
But uh, one of the first verses that I thought of was Romans 5.8. Romans 5.8, it says, But God demonstrates His love, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So the way that God showed us His love is through sending His Son. Uh, John 3.16, one of the most familiar verses you ever hear, or that, that gets quoted the most, says that uh, God sent His only Son, you know, for us, that we might have, you know, eternal hope through Him. Uh, So our first point tonight is that God doesn't know anybody that He doesn't love. The second point is that God doesn't know of any plan better than the one that He's given us. You don't have to turn over there, but in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 13, it talks about the new and old covenants. It talks about the new covenant when it came in. God has this perfect plan for us. It it throws the old covenant out. It says, it makes the old covenant obsolete. And what's obsolete is aging and will soon disappear. And uh, so when we got this new covenant uh, for us, it's so awesome. You think about a sacrifice. In the Old Testament, they had sacrifices. But uh, it's so awesome that we have a sacrifice with Jesus that is perfect, without blemish. Christ never sinned. And uh, that's awesome for us. And think about the plan that God has given us. There's no better one. If there was, uh, we would have it. So my first point tonight is that God doesn't know anybody that He doesn't love. And the second point is that God... Forgot my second point. God doesn't know any plan better than the one that He's given us. And my third point tonight is uh, God doesn't know of any time better than right now to follow Him. So many times in our Christian walk, it's easy for us to uh, to say, you know, I'll do that tomorrow, or uh, you know, there's always another day. Where I know people when they say they're going to start a diet, uh, it's always tomorrow. Say I'll do that tomorrow because it's so much easier. Uh, if you're going to mow your yard and you're feeling lazy. You're not going to do it that day. You know, you're going to do it tomorrow. And that works with a lot of things. You're going to work out. Uh, you're going to start tomorrow. And uh, the only thing with our spiritual life is that uh, we're not promised tomorrow. And uh, there's so many excuses. And, you know, I may, be preaching, I may be preaching to myself more than preaching to you. But there's so many, uh, so many reasons why we shouldn't wait. And why we should, uh, you know, get to work and telling others about God. Uh, the verse that I picked tonight, and I'm going to... Read this one. So turn over to James chapter 4. James 4, verse 13 and 14. James 4, 13 and 14. It reads, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. While you do not even know what will happen tomorrow, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. This verse tells us that we're just a mist. Uh, we're not around. We don't know. We're not promised tomorrow. So, so why wait is my question and my challenge for you tonight. And I know it's so, so easy for us to say, you know, I'll do this tomorrow or I'll do it next week. Uh, I challenge us all tonight to, to step up to the plate and to, uh, to go to work and, and grow in our lives starting, starting right now as tonight. Um, I've been hanging out a lot at the Fisher residence. Uh, Miss Cheryl's been doing my clothes. I'm sort of a mama's boy. So uh, she's been washing my clothes for me, and I really appreciate that. I wanted to tell you that. But uh, I went fishing with uh, Mr. Steve and Matt last week. And something that, that I've been thinking about a lot was, uh, well, I was talking to him. And uh, we were talking about, I love, I'm, I'm going to open up and tell you a little bit of something about me. I love hunting and fishing. 
And uh, sometimes I just go out in the woods and start hunting. Just I'll go get, hang out in the woods and do anything, and I love it. Uh, that's really what, what I enjoy. It's when I feel at peace, if I'm out on the water or if I'm uh, on top of a ridge in the, uh, in the springtime listening for turkeys. And I was telling him how much I love to deer hunt. I said, I love to fish, and I love to deer hunt. But uh, I'm really passionate about turkey hunting. And it's made me think a lot about this. Um, I got a long story. I'm sorry. If you're not a hunter, uh, please bear with me because it's sort of a long story and you may not want to hear it. But I think it's something we can all take and we can apply it to our lives in any way. Because we all have something that takes over our life and something that, you know, that we struggle with and gets in the way of Christ. But uh, my story is, it's the third week of turkey season. <clears throat> the second week I killed a bird, a pretty big bird, one of the biggest birds I've ever killed. But the third week... I was going back, and I saw this huge bird. Didn't get a shot at it, so uh, I had turkey fever. I was going nuts. And uh, just to tell you how much pl- planning and preparation goes into turkey hunting, I'd been probably a month before season in and out of the woods listening. I knew where the birds were roosting. I knew you know, their feeding habits. I knew where they were at in midday, and I knew where they were sleeping at night. So I was hanging out with these birds more than I was with my family. It was starting to get a little weird. But uh, <clears throat> third week of the season, I get out there, and I... Uh, I roosted a bird early that morning, and uh, if you don't know that, that's where he was sleeping that night. And I got on him that morning, and it, he started gobbling, probably gobbled at me 200 times. Uh, my nerves were a little bit crazier than they are right now. I couldn't hardly talk if I had to talk to someone. But uh, I hunted this thing probably for two hours. It kept, kept easing away. It would come in. It was, we were playing cat and mouse together. I, uh, I went through a creek on this, on this bird. I uh, waded through it. Probably walked two miles, cut my hand open on my slate call. So I was having a rough day at that time. I mean, I had done a lot for this goofy old bird. And uh, almost stepped on a cottonmouth in the creek. Uh, finally got over on this bird, called to it for 30 more minutes, probably spent two and a half hours hunting it, and finally killed this bird. And at the end of, end of the hunt, I started thinking about it. And... Uh, I just started thinking about how much time uh, I've put into to doing this and how much time I went into just killing this bird. Uh, I was bleeding. Uh, I was tired. I'd walked so, so far and so hard. I've been so passionate about this. How many times have I done that to save somebody's soul? And uh, I know we can all relate. We do different things. And, you know, we're all passionate about different things. We all enjoy doing different things. But how many times have you crawled on your knees... Uh, crawled through a creek, bled, sweat, to, to help somebody's soul and to, and to teach them. And another challenge I give you tonight is to become more passionate about it. Uh, we talked a lot this week about sort of making our Christianity our own. And so many times it's easy for us to, to have a faith just because our parents have one. What we're trying to get these young people to do is to be self-reliant and to have their own faith. We talked about being selfless and blameless and spotless and fearless and shameless. I think that's all of them. Uh, we, had, we had an awesome week at camp, but what, what I wanted them to stick with was just to know that, that God loves them and, and that we love them, and we all feel that way. But I want to challenge all of us tonight to, to be passionate about lost souls because there's nothing more important. There's no better work that we can be doing. And uh, when you think about it, you know, that's what we're here for. Sometimes we get lost doing different things, but when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, our job is, is to save souls. And that's a challenge that I give you. Um, I have a poem here that I want to read. 
uh, in closing. And uh, it reads, the title is My Friend. And it says, uh, My friend, I stand in judgment now and feel that you're to blame somehow. On earth I walk with you day by day and never did you point the way. You knew the truth and glory, but never did you tell the story. My knowledge then was very dim. You could have led me safe to him. Though we live together here on earth, you never told me of the second birth. And now I stand here condemned because you failed to mention him. You taught me many things, that's true. You, I called you friend and I trusted you. But I learn now it's too late. You could have kept me from this fate. We walk by day and talk by night, and yet you show me not the light. You let me live, love, and die, yet you know I'd never live on high. Yes, I called you friend in life and trusted you through joy and strife. And yet I'm coming to this dreadful end, and I can't now, I cannot now call you my friend. And uh, this made me think a lot, because there's so many situations so many times that, that, uh, that we're ashamed, it seems like, of the gospel. And I, I can think about this. We talk about evangelizing and being missionaries, and so many times we think about that in the sense of us going to Dayton, Tennessee, or to Camilla, Georgia, or to Panama, Central America, and we don't think about evangelizing in our own selves and in our own homes. And uh, something that I thought a lot about at camp was... Uh, some of the some of the hardest nights, and bear with me right here, I'm, I might struggle through this, but some of the hardest nights that I have going to sleep at night is thinking about uh, where my brother is and where my dad is in their walk. And uh, I know that we can all say that we have family members that we want to influence for the better and that, and that we aren't doing. And I, I challenge you tonight, and I ask you the question, if you're not talking to your family members or, or your friends or someone you're dating, why not? And that's some of the hardest times I have is going to sleep knowing that my, uh, that my brother is not right with God and my dad is not right with God. And something that I've been struggling with. And I challenge us all to... Uh, Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Paul said that. I hope, I hope we live that in our life. I hope we're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because there's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, so I challenge you tonight... Um, to take the word to other people. Don't be ashamed about it. It's, it's so easy to do sometimes. seems like uh, so many times we just want to go through life and sort of fit in with everybody else. And that's more of a thing with young people, but I know it, it fits with everybody else. It's so easy to just fit in the mold and go with everybody else. But as Christians, we're called to be different and to do awesome things. And I challenge you, and I appreciate you all for listening to me tonight. Uh, I hope that you've learned as much through this as I have. And I've done a lot of soul searching the last couple of days in preparing this and thinking about how I'm going to talk to even members of my own family and to get them back on, on their track. Um, like I said, I appreciate all y'all for listening and uh, for having me here this summer. I'm excited about working with your youth. Uh, you have an awesome church. You have awesome elders. I know it starts with your elders. And your preachers are awesome. Um, I hope you've learned something tonight. And uh, maybe you've learned something that you can apply to your life. Maybe you're sitting out there tonight and uh, you've never put on the Lord in baptism. There'd be no greater night to do that. Uh, we have all the facilities here to do that. Uh, maybe, maybe you've been baptized before, but uh, you just haven't been doing what you need to be doing. Um, I know we can always say that, but maybe it'd be a good time tonight for you to come forward and to turn your life over to God and to, to tell God just to work through your life. Um, whatever your need may be, won't you come?